Welcome to the podcast of Inspiring Women in Hospitality. I'm Noreen Ahmed, your host. Each episode, I invite a woman from the hospitality industry to share her story with us, why she got into hospitality, her journey so far, her learnings, and who inspires her. On this episode, we hear from Nina, recorded in February 2023. She takes us on a journey of a varied career path in hotels, sales, marketing, partnership, loyalty, membership, and now entrepreneur. All right, we're now recording. Hello, everyone. Noreen here. Today I have with me Nina. Nina, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, so I have spent most of my career working in hospitality, first corporate hospitality, and then in 2020, I transitioned to founding my own company called Lanyard, and Lanyard was originally a modern hostel brand, mix of private and shared rooms and seasonal destinations, and then I pivoted the company last year, and now we focus on a B2B tech platform um, for affordable corporate housing. I'm also the founder of Female Founders in Hospitality. All right. I think we're going to have a lot in common <laughs> in that case. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's start at the beginning and ask you why hospitality? So right out of college, I actually didn't want to go into hospitality. I wanted to be an event planner. Um, I had done a number of event planning jobs and internships in college. I worked at a high-end florist in Philadelphia I worked in the Office of Alumni Affairs at the University of Pennsylvania, helping set up for events. And so somebody suggested that I go and work at a hotel um, in a, a sort of event planning capacity. Um, I didn't start I didn't start there. I started actually at the front desk uh, and in human resources at the Westin Philadelphia uh, and just fell in love with hospitality and gave up on the idea of, of doing events and uh, continued to pursue a career in hospitality instead. Yeah, well, I do think, you know, sometimes event planning can also be within hospitality, right? Because you're creating an experience. So I think you were always yeah. meant to be in hospitality somewhere or you another. Know, <laughs> I, I think one of the things I realized was that uh, after setting up for weddings and uh, gala events on Saturday nights and then taking them down at one in the morning, I decided I wanted to be the one attending those as opposed to the one setting up for them. And so um, uh, I thought maybe the lifestyle wasn't quite what I was hoping for uh, in event planning. And I have, a, I have such an appreciation for people who do it, um, having done it myself. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's the, the hours in hospitality are not always the best. And there's only yeah. so long you can do it for. I think, you know, when you're in your 20s, it's easier to to have that kind of lifestyle. But after a while, things change. And yeah, you need something different as well in your life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what was your, you know, after you went and tried, you know, front desk, uh, tell us a little bit about your career journey uh, from there and, you know, how, how you stayed in hospital and hotels. So after about a year working at the front desk and in reservations and human resources, I joined a team that was newly forming at Starwood um, called Field Marketing. It was sort of the first iteration of digital marketing 
uh, regional teams were created, uh, and I worked for a team based out of Chicago. I did digital marketing for a portfolio of about 12 hotels around the region, and it was my first exposure to marketing. I had taken marketing in college and didn't really like it, to be honest, and then started this role, and it was data-driven marketing. We would send out an email, see the results coming in in real time uh, in Omniture, uh, and I just love that. I love the creative plus the data-driven and the way it came together. Uh, and being able to see the impact of the work that I was doing. And so that was kind of me realizing that at the time I thought I wanted, I wanted to dedicate my career to marketing. I just loved it. It's funny. I kind of had the same, like I did like a few marketing classes at university as well, but I never had any interest in it. And then during my time at STR, I kind of fell into it. And very similarly, you know, you have that mix of creative and and data, right? With digital marketing, it it is so much data available to you now so that it just gives you a little bit of, of both. So I saw it in a completely different way to the time when I was still at university, which at that point, I think it was still called like um, electronic marketing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was wow. originally online marketing, then digital marketing, but yes, yeah. I uh, I agree. I think, you know, for someone who's analytical, which I, I definitely am, there's something kind of amazing about, about being able to see in real time the results of, of what you're doing and make tweaks and, and adjust accordingly. And that's only improved over uh, the last 20 years since I started doing it. Absolutely. There has been a lot of advancements in this kind of technology here. Um, so with the digital marketing uh, with hotels, you know, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, the first thing that perhaps sometimes comes to mind is, you know, you're competing with the OTAs for that space. So what was your role and what were you trying to achieve with your campaigns that you're running at that time? Yeah, so the, the goal was that on property, you had a director of sales and marketing, um, and a lot of their job was focused on local partnerships and, and really sales. And so um, the, the team was formed, the, the field marketing team was formed to provide support to individual hotels during need periods. That support could have been um, a specific offer just for that hotel, for the entire market, the entire region, or even a brand. So we would take brand offers like Sheraton or Weston offers and then um, implement those specifically for the portfolio of hotels. Um, and so really it was about understanding and working with the, the portfolio of hotels that I had to understand their needs and uh, plan out a, a marketing calendar accordingly. Um, and so, yes, you know, obviously OTAs were on our radar, but it was really sort of the first uh, local marketing efforts um, in an organized way that these hotels were doing. Yeah, I think, you know, when, when you're working with the director of sales and marketing teams, like from my you know own time in hotels, like they're not you know, they're going after whether it's like, say, sometimes you have like the corporate sales, right? So you're building those relationships with the mm -hmm. businesses around you, or if it's more about events and meetings, you know, then you're developing relationships with either the meeting and events planners, or, mm -hmm. you know, if you've got a wedding component, then it's more, you know, the wedding mm -hmm. side as well. Or, you know, you've got an entertainment portion, then you're then developing relationships with the travel agents. So it's like, 
you know, everyone has a role to play and you still need to do the marketing for those mm -hmm. client bases and make sure that mm -hmm. they know you and you're making sure that they're coming um, to you as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then how long were you in Starwood and then what did you do next? Yeah. So I ended up moving from uh, field marketing to the Starwood corporate office and uh, led partnerships for Starwood Preferred Gas, the loyalty program. And that was everything from sports partnerships, airline partnerships, and um, specific uh, redemption partners um, for people to use their points. And then um, I left Starwood after about five years with the company and went to business school at Wharton. Uh, and I had been encouraged to go to business school by um, my former boss and mentor. And, um, you know, he, he, he had gone and he just said, like, I think this would be such a great opportunity for you and a great um, career move. And I had been a biology and French major. I didn't know anything about business. And so here I was, biology and French, hospitality. And so I thought this, this makes a lot of sense. Um, and I... I knew that there was a lot that I didn't know, but I didn't know, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what I didn't know. And so um, I, I wanted to learn more about finance. I wanted to learn more about accounting. Uh, I've, I've now learned enough about accounting. I'm good. Um, but um, it was, it was a really good experience and I made some incredible friends. Uh, my husband says I am more confident as a result of going to business school. Um, and, uh, and just kind of build my network and, and got a better understanding of all of those areas of business that I had never had exposure to before. Yeah, it's amazing how education can really bring you to a different level and open you up in different ways. But I love how you said, you know, it made you more confident. Um, what were the things that, that helped you build that confidence? Yeah, I think that for me, um, I'm not a naturally confident person. I realized that for me, I need to develop expertise in something to feel confident. And so by taking these courses, economics, finance, accounting, marketing, crazy enough, even though I had done it in practice, by, by taking those courses, by being exposed to my classmates and, and peers, the um, instructors, like I, I just felt like I had a better sense of what was out there and, um, and, and developed some expertise in some of these areas enough to feel like I understood them. And I think that helped make me feel a lot more confident going into the next job and the one after that, mm -hmm. um, that I could leverage a lot of what I had learned. Yeah, I remember one of the um, one of my guests on the podcast a couple of years ago, her journey was very much similar as in she used different um, education opportunities at different po points of her career to then help her get into that next um, next career or next job opportunity or, you know, continue to build her knowledge and her confidence accordingly to then help her get into that next level that she wanted to go into. It's funny. Um, I hadn't ever really thought about it that way. But if I think back as early as when I was 12 and 13 years old, I went to a summer camp called um, Johns Hopkins Center for Talented Youth, also an educational experience 
where you take a course at a college for three weeks during the summer as a seventh and eighth grader. And I emerged from that experience more confident as well. And so I think there's also a pattern uh, tied to education. Absolutely. I think education always makes us, you know, whatever form that may look like, um, when you have more knowledge and you have, and you spend the time, you know, to, Mm -hmm. to gain that knowledge, um, it helps you, yeah, build this different kind of inner strength that perhaps you didn't know that you had before. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, so after you finished uh, the business school, what did you go into next? So when I graduated from business school, I had done a summer internship with American Express in New York. And my husband and I decided that we wanted to move to Hong Kong. Actually, we decided we wanted to move to Asia and then narrowed it down to Hong Kong. So I said to the team at Amex, thank you for the offer to come work here full time in New York. What are the chances that Amex as a global company could make that that offer transfer to Hong Kong? Um, And they did. It was amazing. Um, And I have uh, two people to thank, both uh, Wharton alums who championed that ask and made it happen. Um, and I'm grateful for that because it was a, it was an incredible experience. So I spent three three years working for Amex in Hong Kong. I was working on the co-brand credit card relationship with Cafe Pacific and Asia Miles, doing acquisition, uh, marketing, and product, and working in an office where I was one of very few uh, non you know local Hong Kong. Um, workers. I most most of the people were from Hong Kong. There were a couple of people from Australia, a few from Singapore. Um, but it was for the most part me listening to Cantonese and Mandarin spe- being spoken all day, every day. Um, I was in 60 person meetings where the only reason they spoke English was because of me. And it was a really interesting, it was a really interesting cultural experience. It was interesting Uh, to be in a market level office, not a regional office, not a headquarters, but just understanding the the challenges and opportunities associated with working in a smaller office. Um, What I found is that on the one hand, you can get things done faster. On the other hand, you really have to make a lot of noise to get people to notice what you're doing. Um, And so it was was a great experience. We also had an opportunity to travel while we were there. So we went to 19 countries over three years, and uh, <laughs> it, was, it felt like I was constantly traveling, but in a in a good way, uh, and just got to see so many different cultures and uh, different places that from the U.S. are really hard to get to. Sorry, for was really hard to get to from where? From the United States. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes, it is much easier to travel around when you're closer in that region, as I'm doing right now. I've been able to go out to Singapore, Bangkok, and end this month I'm going to Australia. I've never been, and it's been on my list for so long. But part of the reason why I never went was because when I was living in London, it was it's so far to get to. So you know, far. I would have lost yeah. like four days just on travel time mm-hmm. and then jet lag. And then before I, by the time I'm ready, I would have to head back. So I'm definitely taking this opportunity now 
And I think for me personally, you know, from a very young age, I moved around a lot. You know, I, we, live, we were in Bangkok and Hong Kong and Japan and Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. And it just, you know, like you're saying, you know, being exposed to so many different cultures, it helps you like appreciate things in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. It really opens you up. And I think this was also why I naturally gravitated towards hospitality, just because of the mm-hmm. upbringing that I had and just the multicultural nature um, mm-hmm. of my own family as well, just made it a natural fit for me. Um, but yeah, Hong Kong is a great is a great city. And actually, I will have a 12 hour layover with Cathay Pacific <laughs> uh, on my way out to Australia. So lots of interconnections happening there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so after Hong Kong, uh, what did you guys do? So we moved back to New York and I worked for American Express for about nine months in a team, actually the team that I had interned with called Loyalty Edge. And they were a team focused on taking the expertise from membership rewards and packaging that up and selling it as a white label loyalty product to um, third parties that needed a loyalty solution. And I worked in business development, which was also a really interesting role for me and kind of fell in love with that in the same way that I had fallen in love with marketing many years before. I realized that there was something about, you know, taking something, a problem. So for example, they said, we need, we need to offer our our clients a fraud solution. And so it was my job to go look at all the different loyalty fraud solutions do an RFP, figure out which one was the best, figure out how to price it, figure out what the competitive landscape looked like, and then a a selling strategy into the client. And I just loved the process of that. And wash, rinse, repeat, I did it a couple of times with a couple of different problems and realized that I now had this toolkit and skill set that I could apply to almost anything. And so that has has really served me well uh, in my career moving forward after that. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, it's really nice when you can find that solution and then repeat it in other areas as well and make sure that everyone th- then can benefit from it. Yeah, yeah. So I was uh, there for about nine months, as I said, and then I moved to to Wyndham. My old boss from uh, Starwood was at Wyndham and a number of people that I knew from Starwood and Amex had moved there was an interesting time to join the company. There was a lot of buzz around a new refresh of the loyalty program, investing in the brands and really trying to carve out a space and and differentiate the brands in an economy and mid-scale hotel segment that really was, there was not a lot of differentiation. There was a lot of the same. And so I thought it was a, a very interesting time to join. I'd always wanted to go back into hospitality. Um, and so I joined uh, to do uh, run the the co-brand credit card, and then ended up taking on all partnerships, including we we signed a partnership with a NASCAR racing team, with Six Flags Airlines, and many others, and did that for about two years. And then um, shortly after I came back from maternity leave with my first daughter, I was uh, asked to lead corporate strategy for Wyndham. So Wyndham had just uh, spun the hotel group off of the timeshare and rentals business, created a separate publicly traded company, 
and uh, they had a financial planning um, process uh, and we're looking to to add corporate strategy to that that exercise. And so I took on that role and built out the the function for them. Yeah, I just remembered that um, change for for Wyndham when they started splitting it out and and um, yeah, it kind of goes back to to the, yeah, the history of the hospitality industry and how it continues continuously evolving or even starwood you know that doesn't no longer exist right so mm -hmm. um it's it's great to see how the industry continues to evolve and and mature i suppose in many ways yeah um and then um did you stay at Wyndham after that uh when you or how long did you stay in that uh corporate strategy role so i was in that role for about 18 months and then COVID hit and I was laid off, um, along with a large portion of the corporate office, I thought coming early on uh, during COVID and decided at that point to pursue my own thing. I'd always wanted to do something entrepreneurial and I had this idea. And so I started working on it. I gave myself a six month runway and said, it's been six months, I don't have traction, I don't feel like I can take this anywhere, then I'll, I'll stop and I'll, I'll rethink sort of my next step. But after six months, then um, I, I founded Lanyard, I had officially incorporated the company. I was starting to raise money, I had developed a brand, I brought on a co-founder, and was off. And haven't looked back. Amazing. Um, so I'm assuming that the six way six month runway was a success. <laughs> it it depends how you define success, right? Okay. <laughs> but it was enough to make me think. I've done the research. I understand the space. I've uh, pressure tested it. I've asked people to poke holes in the idea. I've built a model or many models at that point. There was enough there that I wanted to keep going. And I was, I was motivated by it. I was excited by it. And I always thought if you're going to start something, you have to have this incredible conviction uh, around the idea because so many of your people are going to tell you it's a bad idea. They're going to tell you no. Um, they're going to think you're crazy. Many people did. <laughs> they're like, sorry, you want to start a shared stay brand during a pandemic? Um, and so you just, you have to believe that it's a great idea and that you're the one who needs to execute it. And I, I felt that strongly about it. Mm. And then you said you, you're, you're also now offering a tech solution or B2B tech platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so about 18 months in, I decided to pivot the company to focus on a space that we had been circling and we saw this huge need around worker housing and a lot of the markets that we were pursuing for Lanyard as a hostel brand. And so last year I pivoted the company and we are now a B2B tech platform and we help employers find affordable corporate housing. So that's everything from a ski resort that needs extra beds in uh, during peak season in their market to amusement parks, to sports venues. And that's just within hospitality and tourism, this space and this need in secondary, tertiary, and sometimes primary markets 
um, at a certain price point, that's not, you know, what a uh, a McKinsey consultant or a Google employee um, is, you know, the budget that they're paying for housing. This is this is a different this is a different budget. This is this is less. Um, the rooms are often shared, um, but there's other industries that have these same needs, and that cuts across construction and healthcare, agriculture, education. And so while we're tackling hospitality first, our intention is to expand into all of those uh, other industries and provide a solution for uh, what we're calling affordable corporate housing. Yeah, absolutely right. You know, every sector does need to be, um, their needs need to be met. You know, not everyone is going to be at the top end or at the bottom end. You know, there there is a reason why we have so many different brands in the world mm -hmm. and, you know, everyone has a different requirement and a, and a different budget. Mm -hmm. So, and if, you know, you've identified an opportunity where there is a need, then it's great that you found that and, and you're providing a solution for it. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, it it feels like we've tapped into a real pain point, and we're able to to address those needs. Excellent. And you're also um, a if started the female founders in hospitality. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So as I've been on this journey since 2020, I joined a lot of different forums and groups, networking groups, looking for um, people like me who were, you know, founding companies who were working in traveling, travel and hospitality. And especially as a founder, it's, it's lonely. There's, you know, you're not, you're not in a big office with, <laughs> with coworkers. And so I wanted to find um, places where I could, I could, you know, find other people going through something similar and realized that there wasn't anything specific to female founders in this industry. And yet, if you look at the who's starting companies, it's mostly men. And so I, I thought, you know, if there's a need for me for something like this, my guess is that there's other female founders out there who would benefit from it. And so I just decided to start it myself. We are a network platform resources for female founders building companies related to lodging, accommodations. We have some incredible founders cutting across um, short-term rentals, tech solutions, hotel developers, podcast hosts. Um, there's there's, uh, there's a, a big range and uh, we're, we're building and we have, we have a lot of momentum. Um, and if, you know, if we can help accelerate their success, provide the resources they need, uh, help them realize that there's someone else going through exactly the same thing or who has gone through exactly the same thing maybe six months ago or a year ago. And that helps them sort of work through an obstacle or a challenge they're having. Great. That's what we want to do. Fantastic. Yeah, I had a similar similar journey in, in that, you know, I was looking for for role models and to hear their stories and hear you know how they got to how where they got to and and I just couldn't find any right and I was like okay well then you know I I need to do something about it so I started the storytelling sort of during COVID time um, but really make it more public and more visible last year and just to be able to showcase the different um, 
career paths that you can have. And then also mm -hmm. to showcase that, you know, each and every one of us can be an inspiration. You know, we don't all have to be mm -hmm. uh, the CEO of a company to be an inspiration. I think whether you have two years of experience or 20 years of experience, mm -hmm. each one of us has a story to share and it's there to be told. And my podcast is, is an opportunity to have that platform for that voice to be heard. So I think the more that Which we I, all... I think is I think is great. And I I have to say I've learned so much from people who are peers. I've learned from people who I worked for. Um and I've learned a ton from people who've worked for me for me. Mm. Uh and I, I think it just it goes in every direction. Absolutely. I I've always learned from people in all all levels, uh peers, my team. Um who I was reporting into like you know it's 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 a wide spectrum right and each one of us has something different to teach and also learn from and you also mm -hmm. need to know what it is that you want to learn right there's always something that someone is willing to share or impart and, and may make sense to you and may not so I always say that everyone has a unique journey that they're on but within those journeys or within those stories there'll always be something like one thing that will resonate with you and that will connect with you as well mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely um and speaking of people who inspire us i can't believe that the time has already passed so quickly so i'm going to move on to my final question and ask you who inspires you yeah so um for me, it's I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start with my my founders, my female founders, because I sit on our monthly calls and I listen to the reasons why they started their companies, the things that they, the obstacles they've had to overcome, the challenges that they're facing, the fact that it's a male-dominated industry. Uh, they are pitching to VCs that are mostly men. Men receive more of the VC dollars. There's all these things working against them. And yet there they are with the courage to start something and keep pushing forward. And I walk away from these calls every month feeling so inspired. And it makes me want to keep going. It makes me want to um, push my company forward. And so I think that that to me is such motivation and, and and it makes me feel good about what female founders is doing. The other thing that's big for me, and we, we you and I have talked about this, is women who support other women. And I I would say just in general, I don't have you know one woman out there, but when I see uh, a woman championing someone on her team or picking up the phone to uh, make an introduction or a connection for someone, th those things go such a long way and not everyone does it. And so I just, women who do that, that's inspiring to me. Uh, that's really, really wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that, Nina. And thank you for sharing your story with us today. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you were as inspired as I was by that story. Please follow us here and on LinkedIn where I post videos of the recordings. Stay tuned for many more stories of inspiring women in hospitality. Mm -hmm.